Our farm is a dairy farm. We only use organic feed. The cows produce, you know, quality organic milk. Yet all our hens are RSPCA assured, free to roam in and out of the sheds throughout the day. They lay a lovely yolk. The key to our beef cattle is looking after their, their welfare, keeping them happy. At McDonald's, we're proud to source quality ingredients from over 23,000 farmers from across the UK and Ireland. Good to know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Spencer Hardware. Jeff Kanata. And joining us today for this episode, he is the senior editor at ComingSoon.net. Max Avery, welcome to the Slash Filmcast. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm senior editor, and I have the AARP card to prove it. Nice. Well, welcome to the show uh, for the first time. It's great to have you on. Uh, and you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. You can also email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, today is going to be a little bit of an abridged episode uh, because we're going to spend the entire thing talking about Robert Rodriguez's newest film, Alita Battle Angel. You told me the story of the war when the ground shook and the sky burned. Of the ones that survived. Who awoke to a different world. Where the powerful prey on the weak. But that's not the way it has to be. When I found you, your very human brain was miraculously intact. It's the loneliest feeling not to know who you are. In time you'll remember. That was from the trailer for Alita Battle Angel, the newest film by uh, director Robert Rodriguez. Uh, and I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. An action-packed story of one w- young woman's journey to discover the truth of who she is and her fight to change the world. Uh, so this is a slash filmcast. And Devinder Hardwar, I seem to recall that for over a decade... Over a uh, decade. Over a decade, you have been wanting to see this story... On the Listen, big for over two decades, I've been wanting to see this movie because we know Jan- James Cameron had the rights to this since the 90s, like since he and saw was, like, actively working on it for a long time, too. Yeah, yeah. this is this is his uh, same like work philosophy with Avatar. You know, just it takes a couple decades, but we'll get there. We'll yeah. Get there. So this is based on the graphic novel by Yukito Kishiro. And the screenplay uh, is credited to James Cameron, Leita Kalagridis, I think I butchered that, and Robert Rodriguez. Uh, uh-huh. And it stars Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, Mahershala Ali, and a bunch of other extremely talented people. Uh, and so I- I'm actually going to start with you, Dimitri. I usually start with a guest. But I'm going to start with you because you're probably the person that's been waiting longest for this film. Uh-huh. It was, probably, yeah. Was Maybe Alita the Battle biased. Angel worth <laughs> the wait, in your opinion? Well, I-, I would say I'm not disappointed. I had a lot of fun with this movie. Uh, it's not a perfect movie, but in terms of like anime adaptations, we have seen many. Most recently, Ghost in the Shell, which was just uh, a shell of like what made that you know property so great and so interesting. It was it, that movie was like completely soulless, and I don't think this one has that problem. Yeah, I had a ton of fun with it. I think that a lot of it really works. Specifically, Rosa Salazar 
is great in this role. And the technology they're using to create Alita, I think, is phenomenal. Um, it is an upgrade over what they were doing for Avatar. Uh, except here, like, it is... She's playing what's ostensibly, like, a human-looking person. And I think at points in this movie, I I had trouble remembering that this was a CG person. It feels like a milestone for this technology. Uh, it was good in Avatar, I think mainly because like these big blue aliens kind of coexisted with humans, and that looked cool. It looked realistic. Here, it's almost like you know she's replacing a human. I found that kind of fantastic. Uh, she's great. I love the Christoph Waltz performance. Um, you know, there's so much here. This movie looks amazing. Uh, I know you disagree with a lot of this, Dave, but I love you know the the way this world is built up the vibrancy like, of it everything Devendra is saying everything. think yeah, of what just, the opposite is here, what <laughs> the opposite is and that's how i feel about the movie but continue Devendra. Well, i don't mean to interrupt there's so much going on here like this world is actually built out it feels alive like it's a place where people actually live compared to like what we saw with ghost in the shell um it feels uh honestly a lot like mexico city or something which that's just robert rodriguez giving us his touch i guess um and i you know he's back to doing like decent action like, you could actually see what's happening. I think it was pretty exciting and interesting. There are several set pieces throughout this movie, and they're all really interesting and unique in their own ways. Um, we'll get into some of those in spoilers. Uh, but yeah, I was never bored during this movie. I don't think, uh, you know, the dialogue's not that great. Uh, it's certainly not a perfect script, and I think uh, they could have done more, certainly, with the boyfriend character. And I think, like, wrapping around, like, whatever theme they're going for, uh, it's trying to be an empowering movie. Uh, I think it kind of feels that way, but it's not like... Yeah, it's it's not perfectly well done. I still think Speed Racer, uh, and also like a whatchamacallit, uh, Edge of Tomorrow is also a manga adaptation. Those are the two best adaptations we've gotten so far. I think this one is pretty much up there, though. Like, I, I think they did a pretty good job with this. Uh, cannot wait to hear what you hated about it, though, Dave. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So, Max Avery, uh, you actually had a chance to visit the set of Elite Battle Angels. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, I, just, I want to be very like upfront right from the beginning. You know, I, I was very much wined and dined by 20th Century Fox for this movie. <laughs> so therefore, um, your opinion is invalid. Thank you. No, I'm just null kidding. and void completely. Yes. Uh, no, but no, but it's uh, it, the, just like Devendra. I have actually been waiting for this movie for a very, very long time. I think since it was announced in the mid 2000s, uh, and you know, and I, I've seen the OVA. You know, I've I've I've, I've, I've OVA for those people who don't know. Yeah, the uh, uh, original video animation. Gotcha. Yeah, and... Um, the original anime is, like, really short, because it's based yes. on a much longer manga series, yeah. Yeah, it's only about uh, 60 minutes long. Um, but I, th- I think what, what's really, what I really uh, enjoyed about this movie um, is uh, it, it all goes back to something that I heard on set, which is uh, when John Landau was giving us a tour of uh, Troublemaker Studios in Austin, Texas... Um, he showed us this elevator and Troublemaker Studios is a, is a two, is a two story building. And there's an elevator that goes from floor one to floor two. And, uh, he said that like, uh, you know, every day he would see Robert Rodriguez going onto this elevator to go one flight up. And he would say, Robert, you know, you're like a fit guy. Like, why are you using this elevator? And, and Robert Rodriguez just said, I paid for it. I'm going to use it. <laughs> and I, I think that, in a nutshell, like really summarizes what Robert Rodriguez has been up until now. Like he's been a very kind of scrappy DIY filmmaker. He shoots everything, he scores everything, he edits everything, he production designs everything himself. You know, the the productions are very fast. You know, most of his movies, 
were under a year from beginning to end. And, uh, you know, like, and, and on this movie, you know, uh, James Cameron and John Landau basically said, like, you know, we want you to make a James Cameron movie. And then surprisingly, and rather than like sort of saying, no, I'm my own guy, Rodriguez said like, no, I want to make a James Cameron movie too. That's why I want to make this. So like what you're seeing is Robert Rodriguez, you know, uh, like an actor trying to, you know, uh, uh, do a character, you know, he's like, he's trying to mimic, you know, Cameron and his intense perfectionism and his intense attention to detail and, uh, and and the uh, you know the very long um, you know uh, meticulous production process that Cameron goes through. Um, not only that, but he's you know he's aping a lot of Cameron's themes. Um, and I mean, like kind of like me, the one theme he keeps going back to again <laughs> and again, right? Like that is his thing. Yeah, like yeah. The, like for, for me, like the quintessential James Cameron theme is um, sort sort of the other whether it's an alien or a machine or something, just showing humans how to be more human. And, you know, whether it's in the aliens in um, the abyss or, uh, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger character in Terminator 2, or Our obviously you're in true lies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the, uh, the, the wonderful uh, blue creatures and avatar, you know? <laughs> so like, it's, you know, they're, they're all, you know, the, the James Cameron has a very like kind of, you know, deeply like kind of cynical, take on humanity um which is surprising to me that like he's the most successful filmmaker in the world because it's like you know like just looking at avatar like avatar is literally a movie about uh a a human negating his humanity at the end like he's he's relinquishing his humanity Mm -hmm. and and basically saying you know we're all pieces of garbage um and you know and and this movie too you know the, the, the the character that rosa salazar plays which again i agree with devendra like like this is a huge technical breakthrough like i mean like this is like you know uh I'm, I'm sure like five years down the road we'll look back on it and it'll look very primitive but for me now like i've never seen something that like skews you know uh, so humanoid and so real you know that, that felt like you know it, it, i i never like was taken out of the movie mm-hmm. you know or, or, or i never got that uncanny valley uh, I- ickiness, you know. Uh, it's it's really in the eyes. There's so much eye work in this movie, and I thought that would be distracting or something. And I, it kind of worked. It kind of brought me into the character in a way. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure if uh, I- I'm sure if Margaret Keane saw this movie, she would come so hard she died. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like it, yeah, it's not it, a bad it, way it, to go if you gotta go. I guess yeah. gotta go. Yeah, um, but she's like, oh, the eyes. Uh, no, but like, like, like she's, she's a character who, um, you know, she's, she's just kind of discovering, you know, in, in a way she's almost like a Superman character, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. she's, she, she, she falls from another place and she's taken in by a kindly, you know, parental figure and sort of taught to, you know, do the right thing and uh, becomes a champion of the people. It is very much a Superman type, uh, mythos being carried through here. And I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's cool to see a character, on screen that, you know, uh, has decency, but is also flawed is also like, you know, she's a teenage girl. She's, you know, she, she, she makes mistakes and she's ruled by her emotions and she's, you know, she, it's, it, it was cool to see, you know, like, like there's the, this great scene, uh, that I think really encompasses what, what, I, why I really dug the character, which is, uh, where she, um, sneaks in through the window 
of uh, the, her uh, would-be boyfriend, uh, Hugo, played by Keen Johnson. Uh, she sneaks in through his window and is kind of like almost stalking him. And then like, <laughs> and then she like, this is weird, right? Yeah. yeah. And then she takes her heart out of her own chest <laughs> and hands it to him. And then like, yeah. And and she literally looks crazy. She looks crazy. And I, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's a mistake. You know, I don't think it's like, oh, the mm-hmm, filmmakers mm-hmm. didn't know like that she looks crazy in the scene. No, like she's a teenager. Like she's like a little nuts. She's, <laughs> she's feeling she's feeling everything like at maximum volume, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And so it, it's funny, too. It's, it sounds like overall uh, you were a fan of the movie, though, like that you that it was worth the wait for you. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to uh, even though I was heavily wine to dine. Uh, I, I'm not going to ignore the, the fact that it's an imperfect film. You know, it it has some uh, some deep flaws, specifically in in terms of the way it, it skips. It sort of skips ahead. You know, it feels like there's big gaps. Uh, you know, in in terms of her her evolution as a character, like she seems to kind of you know go from from being you know a, a teenage girl to wanting to be a bounty hunter to wanting to be a sports figure. You know, and it's like uh, <laughs> it's 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 a lot to uh, to take in, and and there are uh, many many characters, probably too many characters, probably some that could have been folded into each other, uh, and it does lay a little bit too much pipe for a sequel that, let's be honest, is probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, uh, beyond that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am also looking forward to hearing Dave just skewer, skewer it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, good. <laughs> this movie's I, I, not for everybody. Well, that's totally fine. Well, that's well, good. totally fine. <clears throat> well, well, good. So it sounds like it was worth the wait. You guys both enjoyed it. That's great to hear. Yeah. And I would say, you know, the the comment you made about Robert Rodriguez. I mean. Uh, famously made El Mariachi for seven thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So he and is now off his body, basically. Yeah, to do that, right? he is to now. That uh, wouldn't have been one day of catering on this show. Uh, yeah, on this movie. Yeah, I mean, this movie had a budget that is approximately twenty-eight thousand five hundred seventy-one times the budget of El Mariachi. You could make twenty-eight thousand. 571 El Mariachis for the price of one Alita Battle Angel. And I will say this, that I do think... And they'd probably be an equal length. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this, that that I do think that in terms of the filmmaking style, this certainly feels like uh, more of a James Cameron movie than it does a Robert Rodriguez movie. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. you could... If you showed me this movie and said, who directed this, James Cameron or Robert Rodriguez? I would have said James Cameron, right? Not, Not knowing anything else. Um, so I do think like that that style transference uh, was complete, and if it was his goal to kind of immerse himself in this style of filmmaking, he did a good job there. But Jeff Kanata, I am so eager to hear what you have to say about this movie. Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts about this movie would best be summed up in the form of a limerick. Is is that really what you could say though? Is is my question? Is that really? Uh, what mm-hmm. you could say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. There are elements enough to comprise an exciting, enduring franchise. The digital lead is impressive indeed. Just was my delight was as big as her eyes. Ooh. <laughs> nice. That's pretty good. That's pretty That's good. Pretty good. pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> pretty good. Lord Thank Byron you. over uh, here. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you don't listen to the show, you, you should know that Dave forces us to have a limerick in every show. And if uh, I've heard he gets violent if if that doesn't happen. So I'm just trying to prevent mm-hmm. any, any blood thank from being you, shed. Thank you for, yeah. for everybody. I will say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a lot to say about this movie. Yes. Uh, 
there is a lot of cool in it. There's a lot of cool. As these guys have already outlined very, very well, the technology on display is astounding. It's also very disturbing to me. <laughs> very disturbing. <laughs> and I want to talk about that at length. Is, is there some writing on the wall you're feeling, Jeff? Is, oh, yeah. uh, are, you, are you looking behind mm-hmm. you and just like, oh, man. Yeah, well, potential job prospects. Yeah. You have a movie where literally every shot is an effect shot in this movie. I, I, I yeah. don't think there's a single shot in this movie that's not an effect shot. And you guys talk about how it's a it's a quantum leap forward from Avatar, and we should we should kind of get into the nitty gritty about that, which is that every time you see a a uh, a Navi in Avatar, every time you see a bl- giant blue person that has been performance captured, that was done in a volume, what they call a volume, in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a uh, climate-controlled studio where every, there's no furniture, everything is sort of just uh, the outlines of things, and people are play-acting, and they have cameras, and they're capturing all of the angles, and they put them into a computer, and then they create the entire environment they're, they're in. This movie, they did the same thing. They did performance capture for Alita, but they did it on locations yep. out in the world. So they shot, they built sets, they went to places, they shot the movie like you shoot movies and then replaced the actress with a digital human that looked, you know, that, uh, that had her, her mannerisms and, and facial expressions exactly. And that is a order of magnitude, more difficult thing to do. And they did it. And I go, why? Like, <laughs> what did we gain from that? Uh, it's, it's very disturbing to me that what we got was we took an actress who looks like a normal human being and we made her waifishly thin and with impossible features that humans don't have. Right. And I get it. She's a, she's a robot. She's supposed to be a robot. A Martian but, robot. But yeah. Right. Yeah. But we are very close to a a place where every human being that we see in our media won't look like they do in real life. Mm-hmm. Need not. Mm-hmm. Need not be resemble any attainable human ideal at all ever. <laughs> and that's very disturbing to me. Very disturbing on a very fundamental level like it's one thing when you want to have you know, nine foot tall blue people in a movie. And it's like, well, it would be really hard. Let's just do it digitally. This is, we want her to be way thinner and have bigger eyes than human beings can have. That's fucking weird. We're very close to just like, well, let's replace it with a, just a better looking person or a, a person uh-huh. that you couldn't possibly ever be, but you wouldn't know that that's not a real person. It's just, we're, we're kind of already doing that with the age, like uh de-aging, but we're yeah. seeing all the Marvel movies like a Samuel L. Jackson, a 70 year old man now looks like he did in the nineties. Right. And that yeah. is just, just yeah. casually. We're not and even every, making a big deal about they're, it. They're also, they're also doing that to, uh, to Vin Diesel to get rid of his uh, dad bod and second chin. Well, <laughs> every, I mean, not even in film, every television show has a budget of removing blemishes and that's, it's yeah. happening. Right. But this is the next progression of that where we can just cast people and then the image that the audience come, goes home with is physically human, hum, humanly unattainable. Impo- right. it, it's, I think it's a, a threshold that we haven't quite gotten to yet that is 
very disturbing to me. I don't want it to be like old man get off my lawn. I'm just part of an old generation. But it really feels like it's it's scary. Okay, just wait that- for a transhumanism to get big, Jeff, because yeah. that is like the future we're seeing of people like augmenting themselves. That is building up super quick, and oh yeah, lot, our media is going to kind of reflect that too. Well, there's going to be no reason to ever allow an image of yourself that isn't snapchat filtered into something Mm -hmm. slightly better or slightly like we are already at the point where you don't have to ever take a picture of yourself looking like yourself but it's going to get to the point now it's very soon you know with deep fakes and a lot of these things where you can put images out of yourself that are always improved but improved not in like i've got bunny ears and a cute nose it's like improved where you can't quite tell that it's improved I know it's it's a it's an undiscovered country that I think is is really <laughs> scary and it nothing to do with this movie but it is a harbinger of it. this, this is your is existential doom yeah, just watching this like, like this you, action movie this sent you into like a an existential spiral Jeff but <laughs> I still don't yeah. really know what you thought of the movie okay so as I said lots of cool in this movie technology that is astounding world building that I found to be really interesting and fun. And I, I wanted to see the nooks and crannies of this world. I loved the sort of costume design, which was like decidedly unalien and unfuturistic. It was like, they were walking around in, you know, button ups and, and cargo pants and stuff like this. I just loved the art direction and, and design of this world. And there was a lot to dig into a lot of fun, world building. I found this movie to be cold and uninteresting. I don't know if that's a function of the technology. I hope it isn't. It may be, but I found the relationships to be wholly unbelievable and really very frigid, very, uh, there's like, there's love, but it's, it's, it's like play acting at love. There's no actual chemistry. There's no actual sort of lifeblood pulsing through this movie. And there, it's very long. I would, I could take out forty-five minutes of this movie. Every time anyone mentions motorball, should just have been cut out of this movie. Oh, there should yes. be no motorball. Jeff in this did movie. not appreciate motorball. The uh, pod racing of this movie, which I actually really enjoyed. Uh, there is an yeah. action. Yeah, se- me too. There's yeah. an action sequence that's all motorball, that is cool in someone's head. But never, ever, 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 ever looks good when it's done. It, it is, it's CG, and it's the reason people hate CG. It's like really executed at a high level from the visual effects team. But what is asked of them, what is asked of them to put on screen, will never ever look good because it's so far away from physical movement we understand and know that even if they make it look quote unquote realistic it's realistic to something we have no frame of reference to so it's never going to look right it's it just it just threw me out of the movie because now it's just this i mean there's so much cg that's great and there's these incredible cool action sequences dave you said that if you didn't know better you would know that it wasn't a james you would you would have thought it was a james cameron movie i know that it's not a james cameron movie because the action sequences Mm. he's a master of action sequences this movie flirts with greatness Mm -hmm. with some of the action sequences most of them don't understand their limits and don't aren't uh um orchestrated in a way that crescendo the way james cameron action sequences do there's he robert Mm -hmm. regas is a very skilled filmmaker 
here, I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel the, uh, the emotional beats that are supposed to happen inside action choreography to make me cheer and, and feel something as it was happening. It was just like sort of surface level cool. And I feel like a lot of this movie is surface level cool. There's no, I mean, it's, it's ironic that you guys brought up the heart beating thing because I feel like there's no beating heart in this movie. It, it feels cold. It feels lifeless, even though it is so much cool stuff going on and the look of things are awesome. I mean, I have a lot to say in spoilers, but I just feel like this movie was a missed opportunity and it, it there's so much good, cool stuff that I liked. It just ultimately is not a movie I'm going to ever want to revisit because I don't care about the characters. I don't. I didn't fall in love with them. Yeah, I mean, I basically agree with what Jeff said, and we can move into spoilers soon because I think there's just so much more to discuss. But overall, I'd say I think this movie is a disaster. I mean, I think it has four films worth of plot crammed into one film, and therefore none of the big moments that are supposed to land really land particularly well emotionally. What I mean uh, now. Separate than the emotional moments, I, I actually think there are several moments in the movie that did take my breath away, right? There are some, like, moments of visual grandeur or just, like, the concept and execution of a moment was so good, much of which Jeff has already been talking about, like, the design of the world. Um, particularly the way – I don't – I was not nearly as taken with the look of Alita as uh, Devendra and Max were, I thought it, it just was squarely in the uncanny valley for me, and the eyes did not look good to me, and I think it was very unconvincing, and every time I saw her, it ripped me out of the reality of the film, uh, which is, by the way, most scenes, because she's in pretty much every single scene of the movie. Uh, but uh, I do think that what is great about the movie is um, Alita's interaction with the world around her. Like, they made that... Like, it's clearly not a real person there because her eyes are gigantic, but they made her interaction with the, the environment around her and with the people around her extremely convincing. And that It's is amazing, isn't it, Dave? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but it's, it's cool. amazing, isn't it, that... I mean, in my lifetime, I remember marveling at um, seeing, you know, uh, Roger Rabbit feel like he was actually touching something in the world, mm, right. you know, yeah. how far we've come. Yeah, this is a whole <laughs> other level, right? It's, you know like, I mean? it's like an order of magnitude higher difficulty. And, and also, yeah. Roger Rabbit looked a lot better than most of the CG interaction we've seen. Like, mm. yeah, we've come yeah. a long, long way. Yeah. Um, but and so there are there are definitely some moments that really are incredible. I'll, I'll just name a couple from the trailers of this movie. There's a scene when she kind of starts realizing that she knows how to do martial arts, you know, completely randomly, and then punches this mirror and like brings her fist like a millimeter away from this mirror, uh, and that that's just like a breathtaking moment because it just shows that this person is so powerful and yet has so much control. Uh, and the way like that scene was conceived and executed, I just thought was really very very nice. And there's there's I, I have like a handful of those throughout the movie that I thought like whoa that really took my breath away. But beyond that, I think you know it just tries to do way too much in one movie. And there's too many characters uh, not to keep track of, but for any of them to have any kind of satisfying arc. Uh, and so what happens at the end is it just ends up being like a movie that feels really ineffective. That makes no impression on me whatsoever emotionally. So uh, I did not like it, and uh, I think it, it is an unfortunate misfire for a film of this size uh, in terms of budget and scope. 
Our farm is a dairy farm. We only use organic feed. The cows produce, you know, quality organic milk. Yet all our hens are RSPCA assured, free to roam in and out of the sheds throughout the day. They lay a lovely yolk. The key to our beef cattle is looking after their, their welfare, keeping them happy. At McDonald's, we're proud to source quality ingredients from over 23,000 farmers from across the UK and Ireland. Good to know. I, I think we should really move into spoilers. There's so much more to discuss. Sure. So shall we move into spoilers starting right now for Alita Battle Angel? Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right, before we start talking about all the issues we had with the spoilers, let me just, like, uh, there are a few things I can geek out about, right, uh, yeah. that I, I really enjoyed, right? Let's, let's, let's try to be positive here. Um, there was this moment when she's flashing back uh, in, in remembering her past life, and she's, like, climbing this gigantic cable that's going yep. up to the Sky City, right? Yeah. And, like, they send these rings down to, like, knock people off. And that, that is super cool. And then, like, one, the cable, like, gets detached somehow. And then she, like, looks down and she sees this massive cable just, like, taking out, like, a dozen buildings, like, in Did in you see this in motion. 3D, by the way, Dave? I did see it in 3D, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, the 3D yeah. is pretty good. Like, it's been a I while agree. since we had a really good 3D movie. I saw this also my first time in a Dolby Vision Theater with yeah. 3D. Mm, and it's nice. extraordinary. It looked amazing, and the brightness didn't go away, which yeah. is unlike most other theaters I've seen, even IMAX. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I saw it. I, I had the fortune of uh, seeing it at uh, Weta Digital. <laughs> in New Zealand, where they, where God they did damn all it, the, Mac. Yeah, <laughs> this is my every conversation with Mac. Yeah, it's just and like, it, uh. <laughs> but it, no, but like that is like probably the greatest movie theater I've ever been in, and obviously mm-hmm. that was like it's never going to look better than that. So, but I mean, obviously, like theaters vary in quality, especially with with three D. Like, and there's and there's issues with the with the brightness of the bulbs and everything, and uh, you know. So I, but I hope that people, I would recommend to people to see this in 3d i think it is the first movie since hugo that yeah. i would say that about mm. for sure. yeah for i agree sure. I, I think saw in 3D it's, as well. it's really also completing like the cinematic language i think james cameron was trying to do with avatar that felt like his showcase for not just 3d but also like realistic blending of cg and trying to like make uh, movies feel more immersive. I kind of felt that quite a bit in this. So I was just going to bring up a couple more moments that I thought were were particularly impressive. One of them, one of them is a really weird thing of design, a really weird design element, which is towards the end of the film, uh, you find out what going to the Sky City really means, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and it's that they're shipping the organs to the Sky City. Um, <laughs> oh, and yeah. he opens this box, and it's Jennifer Connelly's brain and eyes and like nervous system in a box and apparently she's still alive too yeah and that's that horrifying is, that is one Horror. of the most horrifying <laughs> visuals and like ideas i've ever seen yeah. in a film right it's a split <laughs> second but it stays with you man it's it stays with like i'm literally like holding back <laughs> gagging right now thinking about it uh, as we're talking yeah. about the pocket this and, is the yeah. feature by the way yeah the, our corporate overlords when they don't need our bodies anymore they're just gonna yank our brains out and this uh, is how uh, we're gonna survive t- to be fair that is exactly what they did to uh uh kane in uh robocop 2 just saying <laughs> fair enough yes. fair enough yes. um but 
Yeah, I uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I think overall the the one of the things I was loving about this movie was the sort of clockwork nature of all of the technology. It never felt uh, up to a certain point. I kept going, man, it's so great. So many of these CG movies, they get to the point where they're like, oh, there's just nanobots and it can just morph <laughs> and change. And thank God this movie is all clockworky and you see gears moving and stuff's yeah. mechanical and it looks cool. And then she gets the thing and they're like, oh, it has nanobots. It could just <laughs> change the shape. And I was like, fuck! <laughs> No. It's very uh, is but but most of the movie is very steampunk, right? It's very like right. old Until school. Until that one right. part where she she gets the and that sequence where she just like walks into the water yeah. to go to that spaceship is so badass. Agreed, agreed. Very very cool. Um, and so yeah, it's not like the movie is is completely without any redeeming features, right? I, no, I do that's think... not what I heard on Twitter this week, David Chen. Yeah, um... It's it's true. I might have been a little harsh on Twitter, but oh, I, 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 that that like, barroom fight. I will say is a really fun set piece, even if like yeah. it's not grounded as as much in character as it should be. But just like the action is good, it is kind of bonkers. Jeff Fahey with the dogs, just like <laughs> just hanging yeah. out. Like, oh yeah, this movie it just does so many crazy things. I, I'm sure it like uh, got chopped down from whatever like a uh, production length they were originally going for, but like it feels super edited. But for me, like uh, I'm looking at this as like an anime ad- adaptation. And this movie is an anime ass movie. That's that's kind of what I have to say. You know, it's an aesthetic mm. that is not right for everybody. Um, I'm not surprised, Dave, that you you didn't click with much of this. But I think for the bold ideas of and like the idea of like a young girl basically fighting everything, like trying to save the world or trying to save her world. I grew up with this stuff, and I think this at least reflects a lot of that really well. Uh, Speed Racer as well kind of does that really well. I'm so, reminded of like when good... Jeff, this is like you said, Devinder, you sound like when Jeff is reviewing Marvel movies basically, which oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm yeah. saying like, you know, I... I, I so brilliant and erudite and brilliant. making great points. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think it's great that you're enjoying it, but I think that there's numerous moments in this movie like that, I don't that, disagree. That, that like I can, I can movies, list off all those for you too. Movies yeah. build up to critical moments, turning points, mm-hmm. right? Where oh, a character makes this crucial decision, or says this crucial line, or gives this crucial speech, and you need to uh, a understand the stakes underlying the context of that decision or speech or whatever, sure. uh, and then b buy that the character would actually do that, and then c have that decision make an impact, right? That, that I, kind I, of the... I will say, Dave, uh, this movie has a lot of those moments, but those moments are Alita's arms and legs getting ripped off and her doing a killer punch with just her upper torso and one arm flying through the air after, like, uh, doing a, a push-up uh, from that the floor. Like, cool. That, was that was pretty cool. I, that was yeah, pretty cool. I have to say that, that, that crazy that, action that, shit like that. I love that. That handstand moment where she says, fuck your mercy, <laughs> that is that is a crowd-pleasing moment. And like, leaves her arm in his eye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was pretty, pretty cool. good. And they also uh, this movie's PG thirteen, right? So they used they used mm-hmm. the one f word on that moment. I think, um, yeah, because every every PG thirteen movie is allowed one f word. Um, but those moments for me, right, were uh, this moment when you know she's like, "I'm gonna become a hunter warrior," and it's like, well. We have no idea what that even means, like how difficult that is. And then, you know, she marches right. in as, as this big character moment. Uh, I, I like uh, Jeff the or Dave the uh, dream checker. Just like, um, kid, kid, let's slow down a little. We don't, we don't know what this entails. You got to train. Like, come on, come on. But it just happens in like 10 seconds in the movie, right? There's a yeah, moment yeah. in the movie when uh, uh, Alita's boyfriend is like, 
you are the most human thing I have ever met. And it's like, that doesn't, I don't buy any of that. <laughs> well, what's see, going he's on comparing right her to himself. And mm. uh, there's a point in this movie where they're both uh, cyborgs. And even Alita, the CG Frankenstein monster that she is, looked more real and natural than this dude. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I agree like, with that, but I, I think I, I agree with the spirit of what you're saying, which is that in you know Planet of the Apes, right? When uh, that comparison is made, and like, oh, like you know, they're more uh, they're more human than we are, right? Uh, they're more compassionate and kind than than we are as humans. Uh, that moment really lands because the entire movie is building up to that, right? And in this movie, it's hey, there's this kind of uh, ro- romance subplot that's uh, that's shoehorned in here, and we just expect you to believe that uh, not only is this character quote unquote more human than everyone, which I don't think we've seen any evidence of, in my opinion. Like Christoph Waltz, in my opinion, is probably the most human. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, like, and then we we need to at least buy that this guy thinks it, and I just don't think that there's enough there. So I, I just think there's multiple moments like I've just named two of them right right off the top of my head. But there's multiple moments like that when you need to have the movie build up to these moments. You need those moments to land, and they don't for me at all. Yeah. So I, I agree. There, there's a point where she switches bodies, and it's it should be this big momentous moment. Yes. Uh, but it feels. It definitely feels too perfunctory because this is like her evolution from like a teenage girl to an adult woman, basically. It just ends up feeling really weird because then like, okay, so Christoph Waltz's character put her in her his dead daughter's <laughs> potential body, which is uh, I, I don't know what's trying to say there. And then he's kind of impressed with this new, uh, more uh, feminine, I don't know, grown up body. The, the robot right. goes through yeah. puberty in the movie. The robot yeah. goes through puberty. Robot, I'm really creeped out by the boyfriend because what was he really interested in before? Like, was it a child's body? I don't. Yeah, I don't know what the equivalent it's, is it's here. all kinds of fucked up, Devendra. It's all kinds of fucked up, which is why you shouldn't watch this movie. But uh, Max, I mean, we've been saying a bunch of what we, you know, many things that we think are wrong with the film. I'm, I mean, I'm curious if any of it resonates with you. Or are you kind of like Devendra that? Hey, um, got to see her. You know, you know that moment, Devinger, that you referenced of like she, her arms and legs have been chopped off, but she still owns uh-huh. this guy. It reminded me of that moment in um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail when oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they cut off that guy's arms and legs, but he's still like, "I'm gonna take you on." And it's just like it's just she, a flesh wound. Yeah, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> she is like that dude, but she actually succeeded. So, Max, what do you think of? Uh, I mean, does any of the the issues we're bringing up uh, resonate with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, again, like, you know, I, I totally agree with you, Dave, that like there are, the the film feels very um, uh, truncated. Uh, like there's like a three hour cut somewhere that we're not watching. Uh, like, yeah, and they're, they're, they're this huge. This three hours. They're, they're, <laughs> they're a huge. I think it's two on the dot. It's two. It's yeah, two hours yeah. and two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there are there are these moments where, where it just makes these huge leaps you know, that like, you know, like should have, you know, should have had more connective tissue. And I was thinking the other day, something really simple and completely like zero cost that they could have done to um, alleviate some of that, which would be to take a page from uh, Rob Rod's buddy, uh, Quentin Tarantino, and just put some chapter headings. <laughs> like in like interspersed throughout the movie, you know what I mean? Like you know, chapter three, you're a woman now, or whatever, you know. And you yeah, know, it, it does feel very episodic, right? The movie does feel very episodic. Yeah, Ch- uh, chapter one, this serial killer subplot, which we're never going to return to again after this, basically. <laughs> yeah, and and there there are other things too. Like I, I mean, obviously, there's way too many characters. Like I think um, 
you know, the uh, the Gruishka character that Jackie Earl Haley plays, you know, like like a lot of his thunder is stolen because there's this uh, this other character um, played by um, uh, what's his name from uh, Ed Screen. Ed Screen. Who's right? playing this character? Char- playing this character. The transporter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's like so it's like Ed Screen is is the bounty hunter bad guy, and and Gruishka is is the bad guy bad guy. And I'm like, th- they should have just made them one character because yeah. like everything everything that Jackie everything that Ed Screen does could have easily been done by Gruishka. Right. Like ki- like 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 ki- killing uh, Hugo or like you know uh, uh, you know all the all the stuff or getting into the fight at the at the Kansas bar. Like it could have just been. You know, she fought Gruishka, and then it escalated out into the into the underworld. You know, and then I think I don't I don't know if I don't know if it was as streamlined as it could have been. I mean, like I know that uh, Robert Rodriguez was working from like a three or four hundred page script. Like it was like an, it was insanely long. I think he, I think he told me he took out like he took he took out like at least sixty or seventy pages. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we felt we felt it. We felt it. I think. <laughs> yeah, and 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 no, and it, and it's uh, you know, I I I think it I think it could have used um something, you know, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think do you think chapter headings or or some some kind of signal that time is passing would have uh, would have helped it? I that would be like be... putting a, uh, a child's <laughs> Band-Aid on a gushing wound. I think is what that would have done. <laughs> I don't know that that would have really helped that much. I would have made it slightly better i agree that it wouldn't have hurt it but yeah i mean i think the problems are really really fundamental with the script uh on this one so Mm -hmm. it's it's uh it's a challenge um jeff canada i think you have some issues you want to raise with this film oh i i feel like i've raised many already um motorball come on get it out of the movie get it out of the movie uh motorball kicks ass motorball is roller derby uh but also death I guess. Yeah, I, I, guess. I don't know. There's no rules, really. It doesn't seem to make no any rules. damn sense. Um, okay. It's, C- it's CGI rollerball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was bad. It's bad, and uh, the action sequence that it it is part of is bad. And I, in my opinion, and I wish it was not in the movie. I, it. It, it really, it really was like the straw for me that broke the camel's back because there's a lot of this movie that I liked. Um, but I, I mean, more fundamental to, than that is the the sort of central love story. I didn't feel any connection to or believed, um, and even the father daughter relationship. I think it's short shrift and doesn't really blossom in any kind of loving way. Uh, the movie just doesn't have an emotional core. Well, also, I think part of it is time. Yeah, and you know, you're talking about chapter markers. I think that one thing that might have helped with that is that that might have helped is that the movie seems to take place over five days, you know, like or something mm-hmm. really, yeah, really yeah. short, and it feels like there's not enough time for for the father daughter dynamic to really kind of uh, develop. Well, um, we jump forward drastically in time at, at, toward the end when she has become the world's greatest yes. m- motorball player. She's the world's greatest motorball. That's right. Yeah. And you did get a time card there. So. Yeah. Also, you know, I agree with you, Devendra, about the, um, the cool bar fight. I thought the bar fight was, was a lot of fun. But you have this oddball cast of characters directed by Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Danny Trejo not available that day? What? <laughs> I, I certainly me. have questions. I have questions. I, I would I, love, love to see him here. I, I think there's some more issues of this movie, like racially. I think it's really uh, 
I'll just say weird because I'm not even going to say offensive. <laughs> uh, because because okay, um, the the movie is is based off a of manga, so presumably like it, like a lot of the characters have what appear to be Japanese names. Is that right? Like they're are they yeah, originally? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Doctor Ito, Dyson Ito, sure. Yeah. yeah, but okay, but whatever. Like it's not, in my opinion, it's not outside the realm of reasonableness to take a movie mm-hmm. that's in another country and adapt it to your country and like replace all the people. You know, like that that happens yeah. all the Compared time. Compared to like what Ghost in the Shell did, right? Which is also keep it in Tokyo, but also still whitewash it and then have that like crazy, literally stealing the brain of yeah, a Japanese that, woman that, thing. That, like that part it, is this. Weird avoids a lot of that and i think the the added like multiculturalness yeah, of what so this it, movie is doing it, here's what the movie does well right is that there is a lot of um uh there's a lot of people of color in the movie right lana condor is in the movie right um it doesn't say Ma- anything mahershala sure. ali is in the movie lana condor has like three lines um yeah uh mahershala ali is in the movie but he spends about you know two-thirds of his time in the movie being controlled by a white dude, and we know that he's controlled by a white dude because his eyes turn blue when that happens. Yeah, Oscar. I mean, that's what I—that's what happens to me. So. Academy Award-winning actor Mahershala Ali spends the majority of his time being controlled by a white dude and talking weird, and his eyes turn blue in this movie. Uh, again, it's just like hmm, you know, like uh, to me, like personally, it's not like offensive, but it's just kind of like. Uh, there, there's a lot going like on here. You know, Robin Rush is doing this movie. Like I think that that says a lot. It is a Latina lead in this movie. Like That's there, That's there, there's a lot going on here. There's certainly like yeah, the shitty stereotypes as well. Certainly not the best script in the world. I do think the uh, the Maharshala Ali thing I think is kind of hilarious because this is a rare movie where we get to see him really like hamming it up. I guess like as like trying to be an evil villain. I don't think it essentially. It doesn't say like what the white leader doing is right. He doesn't like it. Like the movie doesn't really. It's it's not like saying like, oh, this is he's totally cool with it. Like he is living to serve this dude. Uh, he's pissed off and not digging it either. Uh, one thing I will say, uh, I like the small things this movie does really well. Like the in the opening moments when um, Alita gets up and then she eats an orange and Rosa Salazar just goes like, mm. she just really like, you know, uh, sounds like she's appreciating this orange. And it struck me like how much of that is reflected in her face. And that kind of, it also kind of terrified me, just like you, Jeff. Like, it was that existential moment of like, oh crap, this computer just tricked me. And what does that mean? And I think it does that quite a bit all throughout. It does a really great job of tracking her face. After a while, I kind of forgot what Rosa Salazar's actual face looked like. And I was just See, seeing Alita. Again, so, I'm very glad yeah. that you were, you, that scene had an effect on you. For me, I was thinking, uh, why? Why did she forget what oranges are? <laughs> you know, she has amnesia. But like, would would you, if you if you got, forgot what oranges right. are, then like, doesn't that mean you hey forgot man, everything? It's amnesia after three hundred years. I, I don't know what logic <laughs> you're going to apply to this. But that's yeah. fair enough. That's fair enough. I I think one of the interesting uh, things about the movie um, that hasn't really been discussed yet is um, the sort of the, the the big thematic that is present throughout the, the literally hovering over the entire film. Um, which is, uh, you know, this idea of Zalem, this completely unattainable, you know, uh, level of, of, you know, of, of a better life that that is completely out of reach to the people in Iron City. And I, I mean, it's like it, it is a very simple metaphor, but it works because it's like it's like they don't like. Uh, they don't do like a Neil Blomkamp where they're just like hammering it in like every freaking minute of the movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just, it is what it is. And it's like, 
you know, to me, like, you know, like in a Neil Blomkamp movie, you have all these people like, you know, they're like, you know, struggling and they're like striving to be, you know, li- get a better life and all this stuff. Yeah, and it's this like, is a more watchable this, Elysium, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like for this, this, the scary thing about this movie, like the dark dystopian thing about this movie is that, you know, these people are living like a horrific nightmarish existence where they're like they ha- they're all almost all having to augment themselves mm-hmm. either for because of illness or to like be be able to defend themselves, you know, and or like and you know and and obviously, you know, there there's no police besides these like giant ed 209 looking things that come after them and it's like, you know, like I mean it it is a you know, it is a kind of a fascist, you know, police state kind of uh dystopia, but it's like Nobody is upset about it. Mm-hmm. That's that's what makes it a true dystopia. You know, it's like everybody's just going about their day. There's no like drudgery to it. You know, it's not like 1984. Like it is it is literally just like, you know, uh, you know, same shit, different day. You know, and I think to me, like that was the interesting thing. And I, and I liked the idea at, at the end of, you know, of her like kind of, you know, defying the powers that be mm-hmm. and in Zalem and saying, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm coming for you, you know, and, and things are going to change. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily want to see that movie. Like, I, I think this, I, I, I don't know if it's necessary to go to Zalem. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, you know? wouldn't, one of the things that struck me though is uh, the kid Hugo, I guess his name is he, uh, he gets the idea once he gets that cybernetic body, that he's just going to walk up to Zalem. <laughs> Sure. Nobody has tried that before. (laughs) Listen, how many other uh, superpowered robot people? I don't know. All of them, right? Yeah, all of them are superpowered. His 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 one thing was like, if I had a body like yours, I I would just do this. This is not a very complex kid. You know, there are are thousands (laughs) of people who have even more insane bodies than he. They should just all work together and race up there. Just all of them. Well, I, I think the one thing that is consistent in both the, uh, the the manga and the anime and this movie is I think Hugo is a couple French fries short of a Happy Meal. I don't think he is the <laughs> brightest dude. I mean, we I, I learned think that's a pretty a big, yeah. I mean, big razor on the on the on the thing. I, I mean, I get the fact that there's a big razor, but I feel like that would be common knowledge among everyone because, like, you know, a few weeks ago somebody tried to walk to Zalem and the big razor came down. It's like, oh, no. I mean, we should ha- that should be accepted knowledge in the community of don't walk to Zalem, everybody, because <laughs> people try it all the time. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. Also, Max, listening to you talk about this movie, uh, it, it is sur- it's surreal. It's surreal, Max, because I feel like I saw a completely different movie. You're saying you say you're saying, um, oh, they don't talk about Zalem that much. I feel like every other sentence in this movie is about Zalem. <laughs> like it informs every single action that every character is taking, and it is the ending of the movie is one of the characters doing everything in her power to read Zalem. So I, I just I just feel like I saw a different movie than you did. You know what I mean? Um, but Jeff, what were you saying? Were you agreeing or disagreeing with me? I was just agreeing with yeah. you and saying, yeah. As as the words that left his mouth of like, this movie doesn't hit you over the head with it. I was like, I'm like, what? What, <laughs> what is what is hitting you over the head then, Max? What is hitting you over the head? That's what I want to know. I, don't know. I mean, Elysium is hitting you over the head. Like, yeah, yeah. Elysium. To, to, there's a like, clear difference to me. I don't know. Yeah, like to me, like I, I don't know. Blomkamp just always feels like it's like completely in your face. Like to me, like like you know, it's like I think I think Hugo wants to go to Zalem. But it's like you know that that's not Alita. That's not Alita's uh, sort of mission, you know, and that's not uh, uh, Christoph. The, it's not Christoph Waltz's mission. The biggest, like, 
thing that people do evidently is go to the motorball championships where the only prize is to go to Zalem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that is the, that is the number one most desirable goal. I, I mean, look, uh, we, but, but I feel like most of the, most of the people in this society have resigned themselves and are just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not going. Just I'm like every other dystopia. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Th- that's no that's hope. true. No, you're you're right about that. It's like that. saying you're not going to be you're not going to be LeBron James. Every everybody <laughs> is waiting for LeBron James to go to Zalem. The whole movie is about a whole community of people watching the LeBron James of their <laughs> era go to Zalem. Also, the protagonists are deeply concerned with Zalem. But look, look, let me let me let me put it to you this way, okay? Um, we we the four of us here on on this podcast right now, we have. Uh, we we might not be the smartest guys. We might not be the best, you know, most decent people in the world. But here's the thing: we have learned a few things from watching, you know, five thousand movies in our lifetime, right? And so uh, this, this actually happens at work. I, I like uh, sometimes at work because I work at an awesome place where we can uh, watch shows, right? During during work, sometimes to like kind of evaluate them or whatever. Uh, we'll be watching a, a series, right? And uh, this happened recently. We're watching a series. And uh, this, this character was talking about like, oh, I can't wait to retire in three days or something like that. And I said, that, that guy's dead. I just said that out loud. Like, that guy's dead, right? And, uh, and, and apparently I was right. Uh, and, and we just, we just know. We just know. We, we know, right? Like, after we know, looking we at it, we just know that what that is. And, uh, what I, and so I bring that up because basically Zalem is spoken about so many freaking times in this movie <laughs> That you just know that it's not like going there is not going to be right. all it's cracked up to be, right? It's probably, it's probably right from the beginning. But did you know it was Edward Norton? Did you know? <laughs> I, a, I didn't know it was Edward Norton. B, I didn't know that uh, Mahershala Ali was ripping nervous systems out and shipping them. Um, <laughs> but I did know it was bad. You know, I did know that quote unquote going to Zalem was not going to be quite what it was cracked up to be. Yeah. So uh, that is what I can attest to. I will say this movie has some surprises. Did you know the battle paint she wears in the poster is puppy blood? I didn't know that. <laughs> That's true. They kill a dog in this movie. It's pretty brutal. John Wick is John Wick is watching. And he's just like, yeah, Lita, you get them. Yeah, I like though it PG 13s that dog killing real good though. It's all yeah, off camera. Yeah. I, do I feel like even an R-rated movie can't do uh, a gross dog killing anymore. Like that, that is the thing nobody wants to see. Really, I'm surprised they even went with that here. I do think it's, it's that funny. It's... Isn't, isn't there like a thing where like some, some somebody said this t- to me mm-hmm. recently? Like like the difference between an A movie and a B movie is in an A movie they don't kill the dog, and in a B yeah. movie they do. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably true. Uh, this is more of a D movie, though I would say. But I think that one of the things that's uh, that's cool about the film is that fight scene that happens like underneath the bar, uh, mm-hmm. where the dude with the finger. Uh, missiles or whatever they're called <laughs> Grishka <laughs> yeah Grishka he's like shooting out the finger missiles he's sure. doing he's Big doing this like ballet like that? jumping around um what'd you say Devendra Big Jackie Earl Haley right yeah 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 um yeah. and uh I, I thought that was like a cool fight scene and it culminates with that moment that we've all spoken about and which is her, great use yeah. of 3D again like it's it's not like it's really I don't think it's like shoving in your face 3D but that shot where she is like jumping between the blades there was so much depth to it, and it was slowed down in such a great way. Like I was just really, I, I really appreciated the artistry of that moment, and then the artistry of one armed Alita punching him in the eye. That yeah, that's pretty good. I, I know you guys are going to mad at me for saying this, uh, but you know we, you guys disparage Avatar so often. <laughs> I would challenge anybody to look at how 
literally any action sequence in Avatar plays, the the beats of how it plays out, the pacing, the music of it, uh, the choreography, the storytelling within yeah. the action sequence. It, it's the difference between a master action filmmaker. And yep. I, listen, I like Jeff, Jeff let me reiterate. I don't think Avatar is a bad movie. I just thought we forgot it. And that's astounding to me. That's all. That's the. Fair enough. I'm just I, saying I would, that those... I would go one. I would go one further. And I would say Avatar is kind of a masterpiece. I think, I think, a, lot of people, I think a lot of people don't appreciate it again. Like, as I said before, like to me, I think it's a very subversive film because it is about a guy relinquishing his humanity mm-hmm. at the end. And I think, uh, and, and it has all those environmental messages and everything, which is really good. But like the world building, you know, like people, you know, talk about, you know, like a lot of times like, oh, the world building's good, but whatever. You know, it's like, you know, I, I think really good world building is not anything to sort of, you know, snuff at. Like, I think this movie, you know, it's sh- it's showing us a vision of the future that we haven't quite seen before you know like it's 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 not blade runner it's not ghost in the shell it's not uh, akira you know it is it is its own thing it's this kind of melting pot you know mixture of like south american and mexican and japanese and you know uh whatever detroit like <laughs> you know like 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 all these different you know cultures just kind of blending and uh you know i i think it, and, and i think it's interesting you know what they're doing with it they're, they're telling a lot of this story um just through the visuals like you could you could watch this movie you know with this with the sound on mute mm-hmm. and still you know get the essence of think, what is going on i think maybe well, max, that's why i, I say, enjoy it Divinia, yeah, before, go ahead. before you say anything i just want to say max you are welcome back here anytime <laughs> <laughs> you, you said the magic <laughs> words you max. said the magic yeah, words avatar's magic yeah avatar's awesome I feel like I enjoy this movie maybe the way I enjoy Attack of the Clones. And Max and I, uh, when we hang out, we often end up talking about the prequels. Uh, but I enjoy watching that movie on mute. You know, like the visuals of it, the storytelling of it, the the action looks amazing. Uh, I, I'll never say anything. I'll never try to like justify the dialogue in Attack of the Clones. I just think it's a fun movie to watch. And I think on that same level, this kind of hits that same spot for me. Yeah, I definitely liked it more than Dave. It, it, there's, there's, a, there's enough fun stuff that it isn't a waste of time. And I, and I agree with you guys, especially about the 3d, like, and seeing it in Dolby vision, my God, Dolby vision, uh, make it, Yeah. Beautiful and vibrant. Um, so there's, you know, there's some fun to be had. It just feels like it's 60% there. And yeah. I, it makes me sad because there's enough cool ideas that I wanted it to be a home run. Well, here guys, as, as we're wrapping up here, right, we, we have a unique opportunity on the podcast today. You know why? It's because right now, as we're recording this, it's actually not uh, the weekend after Alita Battle Angel has opened, which is usually when we would record the episode. We're actually recording this on February 8th, which is, as you're listening to this, weeks ago. Um, so we don't actually know how well the movie opened. Uh, I when, think we know. When it did open. <laughs> yeah. So, so now, yeah. at wah, this wah, moment, wah, wah, wah. this is an opportunity for us to predict... How much money it's going to open with. And I'm going to ask you all to predict. And you don't need to give an exact number. Let's just say within $25 million, right? Like, so 0 to 25, 25 to 50, 50 to 75, 75 to 100. Like, how much would you think be considered for this movie? Like, uh, let's set the milestone here. This cost how much? What's a good opening for a movie this much? Uh, It's $200 million. Over over $100 million would be good for this movie. On an opening weekend? 
Yeah, no. I mean that's how much like uh, or, I mean, or uh, no, I'm not realistically like okay here how about yeah. like a Thor Ragnarok opening right like that's probably yeah, pretty yeah. good so Thor Ragnarok um, made uh, three hundred million dollars domestic and in its opening weekend made oh it still made one hundred twenty two million dollars opening week okay so maybe you Thor two okay okay that's <laughs> if they want if they wanted that it wouldn't be coming out on February you know in February whatever 14. it was actually supposed to come out February of twenty eighteen I don't know if you guys remember. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But then it got pushed back to summer, fall, and then to February again. Uh, so Thor: The Dark World made much less than Ragnarok because it was a much worse movie, um, and it grossed eighty five on its opening weekend. Right? Okay, so that's pretty good. Okay. So that I would say, if this movie made eighty five, that would be like a a really <laughs> good sign for this movie. Um, My guess is thirty five. Thirty five. Okay. My uh, guess is twenty. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, twenty. Nobody will watch this movie. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split the difference. I'm going to say 25. Um, but I'm going to add a caveat to that, which is I think it has the, the potential to do gangbusters business overseas. I hope so. That is if, if, yeah. if the 20th Century Fox distribution system isn't in complete shambles right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say 25. I'm going to say 25. I think uh, you can't. He took 25 already. That's my bad then. Uh, how about the? <laughs> let's see. You're gonna go like twenty six, aren't you? Twenty six right. million dollars. One dollar. <laughs> I mean, uh, so like Glass opened with forty, right? I'm just thinking like, what? What are people? And that was a movie that was tracking really well. Yes, I, it's not I gonna open to Glass numbers. I, I don't, don't know if people. Yeah, want I mean, Glass this. was supposed to open to like uh, seventy. It opened at forty, which is still, yeah. which is still a big success. Uh, that's the thing is like twenty five. That's that's the number I want, you know. So Jeff said thirty five. Devinger said twenty. Max is twenty five. I'll say thirty. I'll just say thirty. Right in the middle there. Okay, in the middle there. So we'll see. All right. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, part part of the problem is, is is you know this is this is not really a known quantity in the states. This is like hardcore, like you know, deep deep cut nerd mm-hmm. stuff. Like this, this is, is it's the anime came out what in the eighties or early nineties? Like early nineties. Man, whatever. Yeah, too. Yeah, they're, they're, the fan base for that goes back far. But even anime fans today, the the young Crunchyroll fans will not know what this property is. So yeah, yeah. but on, on the same token, like I mean, Avatar wasn't based on anything, and you know that did what it did. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I just I don't I think the thing that Avatar had that this movie doesn't is it the people really loved being transported yeah. to yeah. the world of Pandora, and I don't think they're going to enjoy being taken to Iron City uh, on the same level. I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm a big dystopia freak, so I'm I'm totally getting off on it. But, like, you know, like, I mean, like, I, I don't think most of the audiences were, like, watching Blade Runner when they were, you know, five times a day when they were 11, <laughs> like I was. You know? So, like, I, 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 th- I think that... Uh, I, I think for the sci-fi audience, it, it, it is going to be a, a, a treat, because you know it it is rare to see you know something fresh like this that is not a you know uh, a known property being given this much love and 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 this much um you know resources um to to get its vision across and, i mean and you know and, and honestly you know things like this are only going to get rarer and rarer like there like yeah. nobody should be rooting for this movie to bomb yeah, <laughs> we, I mean, we want movies that aren't based on. I mean, this is based on a pre-existing property, but we want movies that aren't just sequels or franchise movies. Um, even though this movie was made like they a want it movie. to be a franchise yeah. movie, like the, uh, this movie doesn't represent everything we want. But I think there, 
for me, it's just like the fact that Cameron's been working at this for so long. Um, the the idea, yeah, we're gonna run out of comic book properties to adapt. There only there's only so much superhero shit people can take. Okay, there there are like three or four new superhero TV shows launching this year, and they all they all kind of look the same. And it's all kind of crazy. Uh, anime is the next like that is where they're gonna go to start farming ideas out of. And I want I want that to be better. I want it to be better than Ghost in the Shell. For me, at least, that feels this feels that way. Uh, but I thought Speed Racer kind of did it really well. Yeah. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow did it really well, and nobody those movies bombed. Yeah. So I, I'm waiting for someone to do it well and for it to succeed. Really. Can I? If can I? Fun, can I? Can I just mention a real fun fact, real quick? Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. Jeff. I, I, no, I will. I will let you Jeff. But like, uh, sort of jumping off of that of the Speed Racer comment. Um, uh, when I was at Weta, I got to talk with um the guy who was the lead um, effects guy on the motorball sequence. And the, the first thing I said to him was like, you know, like, yeah, this is really cool. It reminded me, uh, it had the same tone as, as like the races in Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I did those too. Oh, wow. <laughs> so even thing. in the effects world, there's typecasting, guys. <laughs> well, I was going to say that if I could wish for a theatrical re-release of speed racer to play in dolby vision i would mm-hmm. be the first in line to see it on that in 3d with that vibrant projection i would be all over that that movie is woefully underrated mm. yeah well uh i actually agree with a lot of what you guys are saying in the latter half here you know which is that uh it's a shame that this movie isn't going to do that well and uh we should be rooting for a movie like this even though I mean, I didn't particularly like it that much. I wouldn't particularly recommend it. But it is a tragedy if this movie fails at the box office. Um, so I am sad about that. We'll come back. Maybe, maybe Alita will make fools of us all. And it's going to do really well <laughs> at the opening weekend. It's um, a James Cameron touch. Like, I don't think – what did Avatar uh, – was it tracking well ahead of release? I don't really remember the lead-up to it. I remember it was a big deal. And everybody was kind of excited for that. Everyone for, like, has always doubted James Cameron's movies. Yeah. Like, no one – that's the thing. No one thought that those movies would be a success. Um, and and then they go, they end up being the biggest movies yes. ever made yes. for their yeah. time. Everyone I thought know, Avatar, Avatar was he's doing yeah. here. Avatar was a lot like the 2016 election. Like like it was like completely. But <laughs> Avatar was totally behind in tracking until like the last like week or two before uh-huh. it came out, and then all of a sudden it just <laughs> how surged. dare how dare you how dare you compare <laughs> Avatar to Trump well, just on a physical level. <laughs> what's also what's also crazy about Avatar is that movie made. $77 million opening weekend, then $75 million the second weekend, right? Yeah. So that's like basically 0% drop. And then from a $70 million opening, grossed over $760 million domestically. I mean, that, th- that thing had legs as long as a Navi, basically, right? Yeah, baby. To get to that <laughs> and, and people were committing suicide because they couldn't actually go to Pandora. I, I don't think they were committing suicide. There, were, there was reports of depression <laughs> Of that. Yeah, but I did yeah. think you made a good point, Max, earlier about uh, that there is something about the world of Pandora that was enchanting, that was mm-hmm. uh, made it desirable and aspirational, and that is not the case with Iron City, right? And I don't, I don't think people are going to want to go here. I don't think anyone's going to get depressed because they can't go to Iron City. Maybe Zalem, <laughs> maybe, which we, but we don't even see it. We though. don't even know what it's like. We don't even know what it's like, so – yeah, um, and you. Guys, I just want to point out everybody, but everybody is like, I don't care about the sequels to Avatar. They have dumb titles, and they're going to be lame, and I'm not going to see them. All those people are going to eat their words <laughs> when they're freaking amazing, and everyone's talking about them, and they're the most exciting, thrilling, spectacular things. 
So I'm just going to sit back and let you guys all dig your own graves, eat your words, and it'll be fun. I just yeah, I, remember I them, Jeff. That's all. I just want to <laughs> remember them. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean, like, the, just the fact that he's taken well over a decade to develop these movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what a luxury. Like, there's, I, I can't think of another filmmaker you know, who would make the biggest movie of all time and then say to the studio, yeah, I'm just going to take my time. <laughs> he did that twice. I'm going to go to the ocean. He's going to hang out. Yeah. He did that yeah. twice. He made the cool. biggest movie of all time, and then he went off and fucked around in the in the submarine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in the Mariana's Trench or whatever. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go to the deepest part of Earth and then come back and make the biggest movie ever made. Like, that's I'm a man of extremes. That's who yeah. I am. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like, I, I think, you know, like, the, like, the thing that people don't remember is, um, you know, uh, George Lucas, what he did with uh, Star Wars. Yeah, is, nobody remembers you know, Star Wars. Yeah, nobody remembers that. But like, what he, <laughs> but no, but nobody, you know, a lot of people don't think about like, what he did was like, he did, he did three of the most successful movies ever made, three of the most beloved movies ever made. And then he, with all of his power said, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit on this for a while, guys. Like he could have made, you know, seven more Star Wars movies mm-hmm. in the time between, you know, Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace. And he didn't. He did He's like he did something much more important, actually. <laughs> yes. He revolutionized sound in movies. He yeah. revolutionized visual effects in movies. He 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 did something actually much, much more important. He he changed the way we see and hear movies forever. Yeah. But I don't think corporate interests are ever going to let, you know, things like this happen again. You know, like just mm-hmm. look at, you know, look at what Disney did with Star Wars. Once they got it, they like strip mined it, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, Last Jedi notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And on that note, I think that's going to bring us to the end of our review of Alita Battle Angel. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week on the podcast. In the meantime, you can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger, and our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. In the meantime, Max Ivory, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week? Uh, you can find me at uh, ComingSoon.net and also occasionally uh, Superhero Hype and Shock Till You Drop. And uh, I uh, I also do uh, – I design T-shirts for a company called Snarkfish in my spare oh, time. Those are good shirts. Check those out. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about techagadget.com. I'm on paternity leave this month, though, so I probably won't be there for a bit. And I'm also doing a tech Q&A podcast at nomoretech.net. That's no with a K. Jeff Kanata? I am on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, – I do a video game podcast called uh, called <laughs> DLC. I'm actually looking at Snarkfish right now, which is how I got distracted. <laughs> cool, cool shirts. Um, Thank cool. you. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. There's a, a cool uh, uh, like fighting game with uh, Back to the Future versus um, Rick and Morty. It's yeah. pretty cool. Mm. Um, anyway, I do a video game podcast called DLC. You can find that at 5x5.tv slash DLC or anywhere you get podcasts. And you can find all my stuff at DaveChen.net. I'm also um, making two YouTube videos per month. You find those at YouTube.com slash DaveChensky. That's DaveChensky. Next week, we will be discussing How to Train Your Dragon 3, uh, the conclusion to the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. 
Uh, I've heard it's pretty emotional. I'm actually kind of looking forward to this one. The second movie, you know, it hasn't really stuck in my mind. I have not revisited yeah. it nearly as often as I have the first one. I'm hoping How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, brings it all home. So uh, tune in for that. should be a fun episode. Thanks for listening to the Slash Filmcast. We'll see you next week. He